Hey everybody, and welcome back to Across the Areas Productions' very own spin-off podcast, Longbow Hunters, the Arrow Podcast. The podcast obviously dedicated to covering DC Entertainment and the CW's new hit superhero television series, Arrow, and everything Green Arrow as well. I'm your host, Michael J. Petty, and with me is my Arrow shooting co-host. Woo, ask him. How is everybody doing on this wonderful New Year's 2013? Yes. So on this episode of Longbow Hunters, guys, real quick before we get into our little news section, Woo and I will be covering the 10th episode and the mid-season premiere of Season 1 of Arrow, entitled Burned. We will be covering the digital comic book chapter, uh, chapter 15, 615 to Starling City. And then we'll obviously be doing the news that is about to take place. So, uh, Woo, what do we have to talk about? We have we have lots to talk about. First of all, I want to say, and I didn't say this to my partner off microphone, sorry to hear the news about Alphas, sir. I know you were a fan of Alphas. Yeah, Alphas was, oh, it really was a good show. Probably the best sci-fi has on. And I'm even counting Warehouse 13, which is very good. Um but is, yeah. it, is it at least going to finish out, sir? Is it at least going to finish out? I don't think so. I think they just canceled it because season two's finale, basically, Woo, and for those of you who don't know, and really, Woo, I do encourage you and everyone else to go watch the show. It's only two seasons now. There's not really much to watch, but it's it's really cool, and it's, it's, a, it's a breath of fresh air to the super-powered community in terms of X-Men and the mutants and stuff like that. But basically what happens is in the season finale, the character, who's basically like Vandal Savage or Ra's al Ghul, launches this device that causes a, all these alphas, which are basically this universe's version of Marvel's mutants. All of them, their brains basically shut down. So one of the main characters who survived this is basically walking around trying to wake everyone up and see if they're dead or not. And we do not know if they are dead or not. And that's how it ends. Wow. That is, and, that's a, and, that's a, and that's horrible just because that sounds such like a cliffhanger ending. It is. And Dan, Dan and I think they may be able to do a comic book series because one of the guys who created the show and co-writes it, he was one of the guys who helped write the X-Men trilogy. So I'm assuming... Yeah, I hope yeah, he didn't write the third one because, God, that was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the first two X Men were pretty good. The third one, nah. But yeah, but back, but back to, but back to our show. We have a lot. We have a, had a lot of news to cover. First of all, um, Amazon. dot com. No, I'm just kidding. Amazon. dot com. They're closing Amazon. Everybody, run. Yes, that would be a horrible thing, actually. But what is the news on Amazon, sir? Basically, the news on Amazon is they had a pilot script, I believe, and they scrapped it, so they're in the process of rewriting it. But they are also currently in the process of casting the lead, which would be Diana, who is Wonder Woman and Amazon. But you and I have talked in the last month that Arrow's been off about this show and and that we see a brighter future for it than, say, S.H.I.E.L.D. at this point. Um, well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say a brighter future, but there's. It's been a. It's been a long. Yes. Well, it's been a long time since we've seen a female protagonist superhero show. 
Like, the last yeah. one really was charmed. And really, that was more of a melodrama comedy more than, like, an action show. Yeah. And I'm and I'm looking forward to it. I want to give a shout-out to Andy Babak really quick, because Andy Andy is much a, a much bigger fan of this concept than we are. Not, not to say, not to say that we aren't, you know, a, fa- aren't fans of this concept, but he was talking to me more about, um, who's gonna be Wonder Woman, who's gonna be Wonder Woman. I think you and I both would agree on this. I'm more concerned about the material than more about the casting. Yeah, because, oh, absolutely, because the lead, and I, I hesitate to bring this up, Lou, because you haven't seen the show as of yet except for the pilot, but the lead for Fringe, she, for, people didn't care as much for her because she wasn't the greatest actress until season three, but she, the material was so good that you almost just ignored it. Yeah, kind of like the, the reverse of the Kristen Kirk, Lana Lang thing. Yeah, exactly like that. The material... Enough, we'll so mention you... Smallville. We'll, we'll mention Smallville later on in the show because I did want to mention Smallville's relation to Arrow. But the news that I posted on the social networking pages about Amazon that if this show goes, um, Arrow and Amazon will not conflict. Like they will not like with um Justice or the Justice League movie or the JLA movie or whatever the, it's going to be called. Now and see. And Dan and I were talking uh, last night before and after the Fringe Live show. And we were talking about whether... By the way, the Fringe Live show was last night. How did that go? The Fringe Live show went well, actually. We had a good turnout of people who listened. And obviously, we expect a good turnout of people who will listen. Uh, And the two guest hosts who were on were very cool. They were very fun to talk to. Shout out to... um, Shout out to at Mighty underscore Tim on Twitter. I, Tim Casillo. I saw that he joined you. How was he? He was good. He was yeah. good. Uh, also, Jay-Z Cost, a big fan of our show here, Woo. He joined, even though he never watched Friends, he joined just to support us, which was awesome. Jason A., big Across the Area supporter, he joined us. And my friend Jash on Twitter, she joined us for a little bit, too. So yeah. that was very cool. <laughs> Speaking of shout-outs, I want to give a shout-out to Alex Lynch and to Naomi at Haiti123. I think that's her Twitter name. Loved you. I loved to con- I loved conversing with you guys over the Golden Globes, which was fun. I always, when I watch award shows, I always keep my phone on Twitter just to keep, like, a live conversation going. But I just wanted to give a shout-out to Naomi and Alex. Really enjoyed talking to you guys on the Golden Globes. Back to what you and Dan were saying about Amazon? Yes. Well, what Dan and I were discussing was if Amazon does well, and obviously Arrow has done well, so we don't have to worry about that, but if Amazon does well, we can can almost see them using Amazon as a scapegoat so that they don't necessarily have to do a Wonder Woman movie. What we can see is if they – put the actress who plays Diana on Amazon in the Wonder Woman film and then just have, or in the Justice League film, excuse me, and just have Amazon lead up to Justice League and also have Arrow somehow in the same universe, we could see it working really well. Here's a crackpot theory for you. As far as justice goes, would you want to see Stephen Amell as Green Arrow? 
if they build up to him being able to work with people like that on the show. How awesome would that be that you actually see him in the Justice League movie as I'd Oliver Queen? I would be very right excited. I would be yeah. very excited. Like, yeah, he's he, so much cooler than Hawkeye. I'm sorry. Hawkeye just irritates me. And is, Green Arrow. Is it Hawkeye or Jeremy Renner that irritates you? I think it's a bit of both. Because Hawkeye really in the comics has nothing to do almost ever, except for the last five years. And Jeremy Renner, I just, I can't look at that guy. I just can't. I cannot look at that, I cannot look at that guy with a straight face and not want to hit him. No, I can't. I'm sorry, he's that guy, that, that, he kind of reminds me of those guys in high school that I used to know that I really just did not like. Just for the, for the fact that they look stupid. And let, me, let, let me just say to the uneducated person out there, Hawkeye was created 30 years after Green Arrow, and yet people say Arrow is a ripoff of the Avengers character Hawkeye. What? I'm sorry, I'm, but either you're stupid or you just are really lazy and don't want to look it up. I'm sorry, you just opened up a spot for my soapbox. Go and for I it. I need to take a soapbox moment right now. For those people that say that, those are the people that became comic book fans after after the X-Men movies and after all these comic book things came out. Yes. You are, you are fans. Yes, you are fans. But we are the dyed-in-wool geek comic book fans who you people vilified before any of this was cool. So do not, so do not mock us because we know more than you. Do not mock us because we are not bandwagon jumpers like a lot of you guys are. Uh, I have similar problems with people that were wrestling fans after wrestling got popular, but that's just for a different story. You guys are bandwagon jumpers. You are fans, but that does not give you the right to claim that you know more than us died in the war comic book fans who were vilified for liking comic books before they became cool in the 21st century. That is all. Back to my partner. Well, absolutely. And plus, Green Arrow has been such a developed character ever since his inception back in the 40s. I mean, you look at his inception, or his, uh, I guess, revamp in the 80s, and yes, he was the exact same character, but his, he had a huge personality shift. He had lost his fortune at one point. He had become a killer in some sense at one point. He had done so many... He had become a father and a grandfather at one point. I mean, he has changed so much. Hawkeye, since his creation, the only change is that one time he led the New Avengers team under a different uh, superhero identity with no bow and arrow and nunchucks instead. That's the only personality change he has ever developed. Other than that, he has remained the exact same and very flat, I might add. So yeah. that is that is where I end with that. Green Arrow, much cooler than Hawkeye, and also created first. Sorry, but the Avengers are a ripoff of the Justice League. People deal with it. As much as I love the film and I love the characters in it, except probably Hawkeye, it is the fact. So please... And, and- and Bad no disrespect to Stanley. No disrespect to Stanley, who openly says I ripped off, ripped off DC because I was told to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have it other was, issues but, with Stanley, but that's. But going, I'm, but going back to Amazon for really quick, the reason why my partner said that this story got 
scrapped initially. And the reason why the show is kind of in stasis in, as far as creation is concerned is um, C CW is on board, but the creator, the showrunner, um, has not created an, or written a new script, I should say. He has not written a, a new script. Because the original script was three out of five, but they didn't think it was ready for prime time. Right, which I, res I respect that they went back and redid it, unlike David E. Kelly, who just went for it and decided to film it. Well, I really think that David E. Kelly, in his heart of hearts, never thought this would see the light of day either. Because why would he write the script that way? Well, my well, but then you also have to take into account, he wrote it in the first place to be pitched as a TV series. Why would he waste his time if he wouldn't want it to see the light of day? I don't, I don't know. I can't speak for some uh, writers are really kooky. You and I both know that writers are really kooky people. Yeah, can be or can be kooky people. But, 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 but ultimately, guys, the reason we bring up Amazon is if it takes off next year, and we're just preparing you now. If it takes off next year, and Wu and I really enjoy the show, there is a very strong possibility that we will add reviews of Amazon to Longbow Hunters, and we'll just make Arrow the first hour and Amazon the second hour. Yeah, that's going to be more time management for for me, which anybody who's listened to Retro Reviews or to Longbow Hunters knows one thing, dramatic pause. I am not good with time management. But that is where I come in because I have to manage time because I, because <laughs> I I need it when I'm editing. And possibly we will bring in if not, for nothing else for comments our good buddy Elisa Lee for the female yeah. perspective. Absolutely. So yeah. we're just preparing you. We don't know if it'll happen. We don't even know if Amazon will happen. But if it goes well and we like it and it starts getting good reviews and we get as pumped up for Amazon as we did Arrow this summer there's a big possibility we will add it to our reviews. Don't worry, we won't change the name of the show. It'll still be the Longbow Hunters podcast because Amazons are hunters, but it yeah, won't maybe just it, be... Maybe it will be the Amazon... Maybe it will be the Amazon Longbow Hunters. But then that takes Ollie out of the equation because Amazons are girls. Or, or the... Or, or the or here it goes, the Warrior Longbow Hunters. We'll, we'll work on it. <laughs> it's a it's a work in progress. Again, Michael's the one that's better with these names. I have to say this for any Babox benefit because I did say it to him over on Uvu um, this, and I wanted to be on public record just for his benefit. I'm more on board with the Justice League movie than I was before, from what I've heard. From that's what, more for my benefit than Andy's. Are you kidding me? Why didn't you tell me that? Well, you know, I mean, we've been, uh, both been busy this week. Well, here's the here's the three things that I need from WB. First of all, I need a director. For that's the first thing. I need a I need a director, not like a Joe Schmo. I need an actual director, director, director. Maybe Joe Humrick, but that's another thing. Um, <laughs> I I need I I need a story. I, well, no, no, no. I need a, a cast. Well, hold on. I I should have prepared this. I need a director. I need a a definitive release date, and I need a trailer. That sounds fair. That's kind of how I was about the Avengers. 
Because, quite honestly, with a director comes a story, and with a story becomes actors. Like, those those are dominoes that kind of go together. I need, I need a solid release date, and I need a trailer, because without a trailer, it's not real. I should put that on a t-shirt. Because really, it's not without a trailer. Without a trailer, it's not uh, real. Signed, Wukim. Yeah. Yes. Real spelled R-E-R-E-E-L. Oh, I get it. I get that reference. Yes, thank you. Um, But you know what I mean? Like, again, if I use the Man of Steel example, none of this was real until we saw those trailers. I ag- agree. Until we got a release date, until we got Zack Snyder's the director, and until we got that first teaser trailer at Comic-Con, did we no, really no. think it would be real? Not that I'm discounting actors, not that I'm discounting script, of course they're important, but again, directors are the first thing that fall in mind first, at least, at least nowadays they do. Well, Back they in the day it was a different story, but They now set it's... the mood of the film, that's why. Yeah. They set the tone for you to like it or dislike it. And here's my, my, my selfish request, wait for it, wait for it, Jeff Johns needs to write this entire script. Direct the script? No, he needs to write the entire script. Oh, yeah, I would agree. I would have Jeff Johns write the script, but I would also have Scott Snyder help him. Yes. Well, and it needs, he's the guy who it currently needs, writes Batman, and it is nuts. And he is writing be, a Superman needs, book as we speak. Well, Even I now. don't want it to be a Nolan movie. I do not want this to look like a oh, Nolan no. movie. And his, his Batman is not Nolan at all. It is very much uh, Batman the Animated Series, DC Animated Universe Batman, the kind of Batman that we all are Batman, so to speak. Yes. It is very which much is that. Which is selfish to say, but you know, you know what? Women say they're James Bond, they're Superman, they're Doctor. We can, we can say that in our podcast. Hey, if yeah. everybody else is going to be biased, why can't we? Exactly. Exactly. So, I... Yeah, that would be my dream writing team right there. Jeff Johns and Scott Snyder. Because I don't think we've even talked about this on the show either. Like, we, I love Nolan, but if you want this to be good and break it away, Jeff Johns is, is a very underrated writer. He is. With all the praise that he's gotten, he hasn't gotten a big, he hasn't gotten a big project to work on, live action. Maybe a couple episodes here or there, but never anything on a huge scale. No, but he's not underrated either. In fact, unfortunately, his writing hasn't been as good recently because he's been spreading himself too thin. So if he's going to write Justice League or co-write Justice League, he might need to drop a few of the books he's writing now and come back to them. Because probably. I don't want them to come if he, back. If he gets this movie, he probably will. Just because, he, again, he's probably going to focus his entire time with this movie, which he should. But there, but, but moving on, because we do need to move on. Some yes. people are coming back to Arrow, aren't they, sir? Yes. Um, in a recent interview, and I, I believe it's the Huffington Post that posted this. Haha. <laughs> in a recent interview with some of the Arrow showrunners, I believe it was Andrew Kressberg and Greg Berlanti, so no Mark Guggenheim. Sorry, guys. It was confirmed that Helena Bertinelli, a.k.a. The Huntress, and Deadshot, along with China White, will all be returning to Arrow in the second half of this season. 
Wu, you and I have said since the episode he appeared in that Deadshot was not dead and now it was finally confirmed. How do we feel about being right? Thank the Lord for that one. Well, more so for Deadshot than anybody else, because quite honestly, you could leave China White and Helena for next season. You could. Now, I could see China White coming again this season, because I don't mind her being a recurring villain, because she, in the episode she's... you could hold them off, is my point. You could hold them off. But the way they left Deadshot kind of in stasis, I would have been like, you need to bring him back. But... What in the world is this? Well, and he's going to have a new look, too, so he'll probably look more like his comics counterpart than he did before, which will be really exciting. His new look is he's going to have the arrows still in his eye. That's his new look. Oh, my gosh. But no. I have not forgotten this arrow. Green arrow. I have not forgotten it. He points points at the arrow with his finger. See this? I have not removed it. (laughs) Sounds like a scene from Anchorman. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Sounds like Anchorman, that's right. No, <laughs> the cool thing about him coming back, too, is that he's coming back with China White. And they're teaming up against Arrow. Against the Hood, I guess I should say. Yeah. Which I, really- maybe, we, maybe we should talk about this in spoilers, but I have to really wonder... Is the Chinese triad and the thing that Malcolm Merlin's working with, are they the same thing or are they different things? I'm just thinking that it's all the same thing. I, remember, I think, it's all related to the list. I think Malcolm Merlin's organization or whatever he's involved in has their hand in the triad, but I think overall the triad probably has different goals and motives. It's Dark Spectre. Dark Spectre. It's the United <laughs> Alliance of Evil. I know you. I knew that would get a laugh out of you. But what is this Roy Harper news, sir? I have not heard any of this Roy Harper news. And no, this is not me being facetious either. No, I. All I was going to talk about with that is that Roy Harper is coming to Arrow because I don't believe we talked about that, did we? We did kind of talk about it, but has there any been? Uh, has there any? Has there been any new news? Unfortunately, no. I mean, we've seen a few pictures, and it looks like him and Thea are the ones who are going to be hooking up. Yes. Which, I, and, which we, and we did mention that at year's end. We did mention that on our year's end podcast. Yeah. So. Do, we, do you want to mention a certain count in the spoilers, or do you want to mention them here? Well, it's two weeks away, so I guess we can say Count Vertigo is coming as well, and it will be Seth Gable of Fringe fame who will be playing him, which I think we yeah, talked I, before. Yeah, but I think we should I think we should like leave that more for the spoilers though, because that is kind of spoilery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I do want to talk about this Return of Huntress for a minute before we get okay. into the episode. Okay, T-Mobile Girl. I think it's way too early. You know what? I would have to agree. You agree? I agree. Yeah. Because quite honestly, and not to cut you off, I'm really liking this Diggle-Oliver relationship, or this friendship. Well, not just that, though. The way it ended with them in Vendetta, you almost need a full season and a full year of her being the Huntress before she comes back. Because she needs yeah. to establish herself more, just like Oliver needs to keep establishing himself. Because he's not 
he's not fully Green Arrow yet. He's still at this point the Hood, much like Clark was the Blur on Smallville. Yeah, and Dinah needs to kick Helena in the in the jaw and break her jaw. Well, yes. Well, and I know you disagree with me because you don't like this character, but I really think they need to bring the question onto Arrow because I think if she comes back with the question, much like in the Justice League Unlimited continuity, that would be really cool. And him with Oliver would be really cool on the show, I think. But, but I think we'll talk about the question more on the Helena on the Helena episode because the question for those of you who don't know who that is that that's a whole conversation in the in and of itself. True. True. Yeah. So so episode ten, not episode eleven, as it says in my notes. Yes, you wrote episode eleven, guys. Yes. Yeah, um, but yes, episode ten entitled "Burned." was written by Maura Kurland and Ben Sokolowski, I butcher that every time, and was directed by Eagle Eagleson. Yes, or I pronounce it Eccleson after the doctor. Those of you who watch Doctor Who, you got that reference, did you? See what I did there? I can't believe you watched Doctor Who, but that's beyond the point. It's because my philosophy professor, Kevin Decker, shout out Professor Decker, he got, he got me into it. No, no, I, no, I kind of watch. I'm not a, a real Whovian, but I am. I, I, I do love some episodes of Doctor Who. But burned. We have not talked about this episode at all, and I haven't talked to you about your feelings about this episode overall. I have to say, I like this episode being a, a kind of, war, welcoming the audience back. And not giving them a jarring thing to return to. Kind of like what Supernatural and How I Met Your Mother did. Yes. Because it didn't... Here's my thing. And maybe here... This is another soapbox thing, but it's not going to be a very long one. When you... I hate that since the year 1999, and maybe even into 2000, every genre show has had to do a cliffhanger for its mid-season finale. I like the fact that we didn't get a cliffhanger so much as so as a, a lament of there's more to come and you're not going to believe what's coming. This I eased, agree. This episode eased the audience in, and even though I love Smallville, Smallville was the biggest perpetrator of this that I can think of in the last ten years. Especially season ten. Yes, but but I like that this was a kind of a. Oh, kind of like a a smooth, like easy transition back into the series, back into the season, as opposed to oh my god, what are we gonna do after all the things that happened in the first half? No, we're just continuing where you left off, like if you read a Green Arrow comic. Into the to this point, didn't you get like a weird kind of Batman the Animated Series vibe off of this episode? Like, especially a season one episode? Yeah, it was very much a standalone episode, very much like uh, Batman, uh, the animated series season one did very often. I liked it a lot. It was different, though, because the the Firefly was very different, but we'll talk about that later. What do you mean about Malcolm Reynolds, sir? What Firefly? Ha <laughs> ha! Hilarious. See what I did there? See what I, I did there? there? Thumbs up. Well, I like Oliver's attitude in this because it's kind of like the anti-Dark Knight Rises. Yes. 
or not the anti Dark Knight Rises, the Bizarro Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, I guess that's probably the better term to use. I yeah, yeah I see what you're saying. I really like that he was very much he had very much a defeatist attitude because he knew he had been beaten. He had never been beaten before after getting off the island, and he just didn't accept it. He thought he was the best. He thought what he could do, he could only do. And then he gets defeated by this archer who's more powerful than him, and he he really li- just doesn't know what to do with his life anymore. He's and pretty much cut it real off for the, from the last six weeks. He's cut off his duties as the hood, and he's pretty much tapped Diggle out. And obviously that changes, but that's where we begin. And this song was playing out in the background as the show, as the episode began. You're not the best around. You're not the best around. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, but no, oh. but, ser- no, but seriously, um, yeah, Oliver, and he even says this, and I know we're kind of skipping ahead. He, and this wasn't really. I didn't really notice this until he mentioned it, but yeah, since the series has began, since he got off the island, he actually's never been beaten that severely where he had to call anybody for help. So that and and Dickel even says to him, "You need to get back into the game." Kind of like the again the bizarre Alfred, where Alfred in The Dark Knight Rises was like saying, "You're not Batman anymore," and but in this instance, John Dickel saying. You are, you are the, you are the arrow, you are the hood, you need to get back in the saddle. Get back on the horse, son. Yes. Get back on that salmon ladder. Yes. And him being Oliver's moral compass, I love this because we've not seen them really as a team since, you know, Diggle joined Oliver's cause. Right. And, And I know you had problems with that earlier on this. Well, and I had problems with. Are you are you speaking of my problems with Diggle being his moral compass? Is that what you're saying? No, be, because he wasn't for like the longest time, even after he joined Oliver's cause. I know right. you had a problem with the fact. I was that, like, I was like, what are you talking about? No, you're absolutely right. I I did have problems with it early on because I felt that Diggle needed to be that, and Oliver just wouldn't let him in, even when he did let him in. He only really let him in at that point so he could manipulate him to prove that Oliver Queen is not the hood. And once he really began to trust Diggle, which I I believe began mainly with legacies, I believe that he really started to be shaped by Diggle and what Diggle's mission is and why Diggle is there with him. It's not just because of the list and the injustices of the list and Oliver's father. It's also to protect those who can't protect themselves. And that's which what... Kind of, which is kind of ironic, which we'll talk about for next week's episode, because that's very ironic what you just said, and you know what I mean by that. If you've yeah. seen the trailer for next week. But I love... I love... And you, t- you bring up a good point, too. Like, Oliver never let Diggle in, but in this instance, Diggle's not waiting for an invitation anymore. <laughs> No, he's done waiting because he keeps running away from him, both literally and figuratively. He's done and with I'm that. So, and I'm so glad because, again, one of my big problems with Smallville was that something like this kind of, like, character struggle for 
for Clark Kent on Smallville would take half a season. This was just one episode. Yes. And it was a refreshing, it was a refreshing change, don't you think? But I think we also have to take into account this, Wu, and I, and I do agree with you, it is a great change. But I think we also have to take into account that at this point, Oliver is more of a hero than Clark was on Smallville. I, I understand, only but, but after like five yeah, that, years of uh, the same Clark. thing over, over and over again, you have, to, you have to let me enjoy the fact that uh, an emotional character block was done with, with within one episode instead of like seven. Yeah. 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 I understand. But, yeah, I understand what you're saying. I just but I get but I get what but I get what you're saying, and I love that. And I love that. I love the actor who plays Diggle because he says, and I love the Stephen Amell's like performance when he says, kind of like what Bane says to Bruce Wayne in Dark Knight Rises, when Oliver was alone on the island, he had nothing to lose. He he didn't fear death, but now that he's gotten back, you know. Back, you know, back to Sterling City, back with his family, you know, on speaking terms with Dinah, you know, reestablishing his friendship with Tommy. You know, when you have nothing to lose, you're not scared. (laughs) But when you have something to lose, you're terrified. Yeah. And that's what the dark showed him. Especially when Shredder put arrows in his back. (laughs) He was very Shredder-like. Yes. Um, here's something again for our friend Andy Babat. You and I have both not liked the Joanna character at all. And in this episode, I finally liked her. Because I have to say this. Because wait for it. Wait for it. Hold it. She actually had a story. Well, yeah, and Dan and I were talking about this last night too. After the Fringe Live show, we were we were saying, well, the writers and producers of this show have got to be listening to our podcast because in this one episode they fixed everything with Joanna. They gave her a story, they gave her a character, and then they got rid of her. They did all three of the things we wanted in one episode. I mean, and it only took a mid season. <laughs> I was. Here's the thing about Joanna. They kind of made me mad, actually. It kind of made me mad, believing in that. You finally give her a character, and then you kick her to the curb for at least a while. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's good and refreshing in more than one aspect. But and that's no again. That's no disrespect to the actress because I think the actress played the character exactly how the character was written. Yes. Yeah, I wanted to mention that too. No disrespect to the actors. We fought, we, in one of the beginning scenes, we're back at the law firm, and Detective Lance, we think Detective Lance is there to see Dinah, but he is actually there with the fire chief to inform Joanna that he, her, her brother, Danny, died in a fire caused by our main villain, Firefly. And here's the one, um, um, by the way, the opening scene with the fire, if you go back to the very beginning of that scene, there's a bumper sticker on one of the vans that says, you want to, you want to stay safe, that says, you want to stay safe, sleep with the fireman. Yes. Yes, I saw that. That was hilarious. I, I love that. 
the hilarious thing ever. Um, in in all seriousness. I'd like to take this opportunity to say thank you to all the firemen out there that, that risk their lives because you guys are really the the equivalent. You really are like soldiers. You rush in there to risk your lives, and and you you ask for nothing in return. And you're you under like appreciated. You are like soldiers. You are like soldiers. So very underappreciated. So we thank you guys. Thank you, thank you very much. Thank you. I was very confused at the beginning scene with Danny and Firefly because the way Firefly is dressed, you don't think of any, you don't think anything different of this guy until he starts dousing Danny with turpentine. Exactly, and I think that was the point. I think it was more shock factor than anything else for us because for those of you who didn't read the comic books, you would have never expected this. No, no. To to that point. Has, have they changed Firefly very much from what he originally was in the comics? Actually, yes. They have changed the character a lot. I mean, the name Garfield Lins, a.k.a. Firefly, it's still the same. However, in the comics, and Dan mentions this on his thoughts on the episode later, he was a, uh, oh, what was he? He was a special effects expert gone rogue and ended up using all his spe- special effects techniques uh, to become a... Uh, Kind of a uh, master thief, I, thief, I guess, would be the best term. Mysterio! Uh, what? Mysterio! Sorry, I sneezed. Uh-huh. But, um... I'm sorry, yeah. it does sound like a lot like Mysterio from the Spider-Man comics. Yeah, it does sound a lot like Mysterio. But that that's basically the character. So, obviously, on this show, not only can he not fly and doesn't wear a suit of armor, but he's an actual fireman who is now starting fires just for revenge instead of personal game. Yeah. So it's, it's very different, but it's a very good different. And I love this intro with the fire in the building. I I have to assume, even though it's not mentioned, Garfield Lins is the one that's starting all these fires just to draw firemen into the building. I would assume so, yeah. Yeah. And I have and I have to all and this really reminded me of not only Batman the enemy series, didn't you get a very Silver Age feel to this, like this intro. You have a bur- you have an incident that, that that lets the audience know who the villain is. Yeah, and that's something that's something that Smallville and Arrow have done very well. They've thrown very good hints and very good references to the Silver Age of uh, the comic book industry, along with the uh, Bronze Age as well but very much so the Silver Age, and that's very much appreciated because that really redefined what comics were. Well, and you and I and a lot of the other comic book, uh, the comic book lovers that both, like, read Krypton site and our site and listen to our shows, DC Nation and... Yeah, DC Nation Nation and um, Longwell Hunters, we get those references and we get that feel... And I really liked that. I really liked that old school stuff because, again, if it's good, we if it's good, we use it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, what did you think about Oliver? Okay, I have to ask you this uh, because it was kind of rattling around in my head, and I haven't really talked to this about the, the talked about this to anyone. 
do you think Oliver was consoling his family because it was the right thing to do, or was he trying to avoid his um, emotional issues? I think it's partially both. I think he doesn't understand what happened with Walter and blames himself for not uh, being there and for being beaten by the Dark Archer, so he couldn't be there. I think he also wants to escape his duties as Arrow and wants an excuse for not being the Hood. And I think at the same time, he's also avoiding Diggle in general. Yeah. So I think it's geez, three reasons. I mean, geez, Oliver, why did you have to get shot in the back with arrows instead of helping Walter? That's all your fault, you know? That's all your fault. <laughs> well, that would be a really interesting if they did, like, a dream episode where he gets dosed with chemicals and starts seeing things. If he said something like that, that would be very cool. Yeah, and and they, they he goes to a world where 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 his father's still alive. He's married. He's married. He's married to he's married to Dinah. But all the people he saved are all dead. Uh-huh, Haha, very natural. Hashtag supernatural reference. There you go. Um, but even if this whole thing is an avoidance to be Green Arrow, I like the fact that. Uh, since his since his accident, Oliver is rediscovering what's really important really important to him, and that is his family. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. yes. And um, I have, and at this point, they think Walter's dead. We just have to make that clear and remind everyone. At this point, they don't think at least Walt or at least uh, Oliver and Diggle they don't believe he's alive. Mora knows, but everyone else thinks he's dead or, or just you know, somewhere else missing. Um, do, do we have, uh, we'll, we'll talk about Moira, Moira later on when she has her scene with Speedy. I really love the Speedy and Oliver scene. I do. Because it really, cause it really shows that, you know, that it, it wasn't shown enough early on in the season. Like, Speedy... Ironically enough, is the voice, is the conscience of this show. In Which terms is of like not, weird because she herself doesn't have one, but yet she gets on everyone else's case, which is kind of we'll, funny. And we'll get to it in the Moira scene, but I love how uh, I love how people forget she's the only one that's seen everything that's gone on within the family, in objectively, and without any kind of motive. Yeah. Even, even, I mean, it wouldn't even be a far stretch for me to say Walter had feelings for Moira even before Robert died. Probably, probably not, not a big step. But at the same time, I think he was such good friends with Robert that he would have never considered it. Well, well, of course, but like. I'm not saying that he, like, reveled in the fact that Robert was gone, but again, when, like, Thea tells the story of of uh, Walter, like, uh, getting Moira out of bed to take her out to lunch, I think yes, he was, like... it gives that awesome Walter impression. Yes, that was spot on. I think that even he had his own ulterior motives, not not bad ulterior motives, but still his own ulterior motives towards Moira were... Speedy is really like the only one that she's the viewer, she's the observer that no one notices, and it really plays into her character, which is why you know she has the substance abuse issues she does. 
Yeah. Like, I'm witnessing all this. I'm taking care of all you guys. And all you guys do, you know, is write me off or tell me to go do something. And uh, that gives me artistic license or personal license to do anything that I want to do. Correct. Yeah. I love I love Oliver not being able to pronounce Zach Galifianakis' last name. I thought that was pretty funny. That was great. I, I, and I'll be completely honest. I don't think I know exactly who that guy is. Um, Hangover, sir. And Hobo Joe that, from the Muppets. I, that would be why I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Hobo Joe from the Muppets. The new movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's time to get things started. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, do we? Dinah have Dinah? Well, Dinah gets a hold at her office. She gets a hold of what I call from. She gets a hold of from her father what I call the Aerophone 4S. The Aerophone 4S, complete with Oracle. Yes, and if you look at that home script, if you look at the phone really closely, I think on the home button, you can actually see, like, a little symbol of an arrow there. That is awesome. Yeah, um, but anyway, and we're kind of skipping around because, because, because that's just how I roll. Um, Joanna <laughs> goes to Diana's, apart, Diana's apartment and tells Diana that she's done some digging, and found out that the fire that killed her brother was actually hotter than the actual fire that was in the building. Which is interesting, because it really does show that he was murdered, which is something they would have never known at this point because of how he died and what he died doing. Yeah, and really, it's, and I'm not, I'm not picking on law enforcement at all, but why would you think it was murder, especially... Like, looking at the circumstances of his death. Right. Well, and the thing is, too, if you're looking at someone who served people and died for people willingly, and you're investigating their death, and you're, you know, you're, uh, how do I say this? You're recording it, I guess I should say. How would you not recognize something like that and not want to bring it up? Well, well, and... So much for you. The least you could do is look into it. And and I'll get to this when we get to the Garfield lens a little bit more more towards the end of the episode. But the but the reason why um Dinah gets the Aerophone 4S from her father is um one of her her father's assistant actually looks over the phone that Oliver gave to Detective Lance in years and in. He says he couldn't find he couldn't find anything. It was it was masterfully built. She grabs the, she takes the phone away from her father when when her father needs to go work on another case, and she calls Arrow. Yeah. Yep. And Oliver actually answers and shows up at her place for the first time in six weeks. Yes. And. Which May is the same amount of time that we've been on hiatus, uh, funny enough. Yes. Nice. Thank you, writers, for keeping up with the, the time, because Smallville really didn't do that. Um, <laughs> uh, 
may I say, when Oliver shows up, you know the first thing I was thinking of? What? Theatricality and deception. Powerful agents. I'm Batman. Yeah. And Oliver... A is for Alfred, B is for Bat. Yes, thank you, Count. Um, I, lo I love Oliver when he... Again, the good use of the voice changer. Again, the one if one person could figure out who he is, it's Dinah. Well, right, which is exactly why he has to be extremely careful around her. Yes. He really should wear the glasses that Oliver wore on Smallville, but regardless. Yes, but the way they lit it and the way he has his head positioned... Well, yeah, he, makes... he, he takes precautions, absolutely, which is why he cuts the power out. Or yes. EMP, I guess. Yes, and... I love that they they do the great use of continuity by mentioning an innocent man when Dinah did say to her father and Oliver overheard I guess on a Bluetooth like speaker that that Dinah did think that the Green Arrow was dangerous that he was a killer with no remorse and good on Oliver for mentioning that. Mhm. Mm well, yeah. I mean, I'd be skeptical or skeptical of her calling me, especially if she said that, and, you know, I'd be wondering, is this a trap? What is this? It's a trap! It's a trap! It's a trap! Exactly. So, I mean, and, it's and good it probably hurts us, And it probably hurts Oliver, because, you know, and I'll get in more into this later, that's my catchphrase for this episode, my god. But I think... <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> Dinah's more in love with Oliver than even Oliver is in love with Dinah. Well, I think at this point she's really got a thing for the hood. And in a weird way she has a thing for Oliver, but she's still she's still, you know, <laughs> not accepting that in public. But I can but maybe it's just the way Cassidy's playing this. I have this weird feeling that you know, she's more attractive again. Oliver has his missions, and, well, well, can I just say this right now, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to, like, skip over, well, no, 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 forget that, let's just stick with this scene, Oliver, jo Joanna, jo okay. Diana, Di Diana takes, um, gives the hood information about Danny's death, and he, Oliver said he, he'll look into it. He takes the information to Diggle, and... And Diggle looks into it, so he doesn't even do that, no. <laughs> yeah. I have to say, though, I, lo I like um, the subtle way Amel played everything. I loved how he said, kind of said he didn't want to be the hood but at this point, but he didn't say that out loud. Like, he's still, he's still playing hurt. Like f some football players do, like after they get a like a big injury, they're playing hurt because they're still skeptical. I like the I, I love the the idea that he's still playing like he's hurt, but it's more of his spirit than anything else. Yeah. But let's talk about Detective Lance. Toward after after the hood saves everybody. We won't go into detail how until later in the episode, but after the hood saves everybody. Second um, most hated 
character after Joanna, and yet he actually had something to do as well. Um, I have Although to say... Although Leanne hated him more. Yes. We find out a lot about Quentin Lance in terms of his character. And... Of what he will and will not do. Yes. And... And I know you're gonna love this reference. He really is Javert from Les Mis. Valjean, at last, we see each other plain. And really, that's what I'm. And in total seriousness, that's what he really wants to do. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel too. Because yeah. they really what do draw a Javert and I, Jean Valjean. Yeah, they really do. So go and, see Late Miz, everyone, so you'll know what we're talking about, because it's worth it. Trust us. Yeah, it, it is worth it. It is worth it. But going back back to this, I love it. The, after the second scene of Dinah and Detective Miles, after he finds out that he she she did steal the aerophone for us from, from her father, like, he's, like, Dinah says to him, if anyone could help you bring, bring you some kind of closure in your life, wouldn't you do it no matter who it was? No, not to the point of lying lying to, to to the people you love and, you know, breaking the law, which, you know, he does at the end of the episode, Detective Lance, when he gives gives her back the arrow phone for us. And if you look at the way the director shot everything, after he takes the phone back near the end of the episode, it's completely plausible that he has another phone in his possession, which is the bugged phone. Yeah. Or a duplicate that was made by his subordinate that we see at the beginning of the episode. And I love the look on Cassidy's face after he he turns around and gives her the phone back, because you have to really wonder, the way she played it, look at the look on her face. Is she shocked that her father is now trusting the Green Arrow, or is she more shocked that she actually realizes what her father is actually doing? Because Dinah's not stupid. No, but in this instance, she has no reason not to trust her father. Think about yeah. it. Yeah, and that could but be a look I don't of think would expect it. That could be a look of shock is what I'm getting at. Like, yeah. I cannot believe my dad would do this to me. Or, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't think she knows because I think what will happen I is... I don't think she knows either, but I'm not ruling that one out. I'm not ruling that one out. I won't rule it out. I just don't see that as the most likely possible. Yeah, it would, it would shock me for sure. But I, I, I agree, I would not see it, but I wouldn't rule it out either. And yeah. what I was saying about, we find more about, find out more about what Detective Light, Detective Lance is like as a person, you see why his, his wife left him. Yeah. Because, because if he was that way with her, I mean. I get, yeah, I get. Or because even Jim, let, let's just say this right now. Jim Gordon would never do that to Barbara Gordon. Exactly, and and not that not that not that Detective Lance did this to Dinah, Dinah and Sarah's mother. Not that he did something like this to like to their mother. But look at it like this: 
his obsessiveness even before Green Arrow showed up, if he was bad before, and seeing how willing he's, he's willing to go, again, he really is like Javert, because probably Dinah and Sarah's mother... He's doing the right thing by the book, but in reality, what is he breaking to get there? And really, he's a hypocrite, because remember what he said in the second scene? Everything he said, he's accusing Dinah about, he's doing, he's doing the exact same thing to her. Yeah. So that just discounts everything that he's, he said. And look at the look at his face after his subordinates that that's pretty so cold what you're doing to Dinah. Because it is. And look at the look on his face. It's like he doesn't even care. No, I, and I, I really feel bad for Laurel because if this is what her mother had to go through and Laurel had to, and Sarah had to go through this with their father before, I, this is going to be really ugly with how it t- turns up now. And really, ultimately, if Lance does this and somehow stumbles upon Malcolm Merlin in the list, he's a dead man. Yes. And yes. honestly, that's where I think it may go. Yes, because again, he and really, th- this could be uh, not not in the next episode, of course not. But no, the next a, the next few a... episodes, I think this is when Dinah does find out what her father's done. This is gonna make her even more closer to her comic book alter ego, and wanting to be that vigilante alongside Arrow and helping him. Because it will make her tr- distrust the police and her father more, and trust the vigilante van- anti more. Yeah. Be- because very much like Javert to Jean Valjean, and I used this example with a friend of mine. The Green Arrow is Detective Lance's white whale. Yeah. And who he- did nothing wrong? Who, who has done nothing? Well, yeah. Well, he has killed. He has broken necks. And he has killed has, only in self-defense. He has not killed. But still, but still, there's no way for Green Arrow to prove that, is there? No, there's not. But we know that, so we can vouch yeah. for the guy. Well, well, yeah, well, yeah. But that's the that's the thing. Like this is again. I don't want to take up the entire episode talking about this, but this is this obsession, this obsessive personality that Quinn Lance has is probably the reason why. Sarah, Sarah and Dinah's mother left. And probably why Laurel and Sarah themselves were so distant from each other and their father before. And I know we're not going to talk about this because maybe if we have time we'll talk about this. The the issue before this this issue in the comics, the Arrow comics, really does tell you that Quentin, Quentin's favorite was Sarah. Yes, very much so. And really, Dinah's never actually voiced this to anybody, not even to Oliver. I don't think I don't think she's ever really gotten over that. That her parents doted over, kind of like how Sam and Dean, how Dean feels about Sam in Supernatural. Which is really weird because Sam feel Sam always felt out of place and felt like Dean was the one who got more. Which is probably what, what which is probably what Sarah feels about Dinah. Right. It's really weird how siblings look at it because what I mean, one of them is most likely right and one is most likely wrong. 
but at the same time, you see both perspectives and you can understand how they are both feeling or what they're both going through. I w- kind of wish we'd get to see that more with Sarah, but I would rather her stay dead and buried at this point. And, and honestly, like, not to go too personal, Michael, but you and I are bro- you and I both have brothers. Our brothers probably feel kind of the same way that they feel. Like, absolutely. Well, absolutely. I mean, I'm the oldest. I know for a fact you're that my... You're not gonna, they're not going to tell that to you now, but probably years down the road, they're probably going to say, like, I was always jealous of you because I thought mom and dad, like, doted on you more than they, than they ever did on me. But again, that's just the way, the, and I, I love the evolution or the de-evolution of the Quentin Lance character, because, uh, because when I found out that Quentin Lance did that to Diana, I literally said, oh my god, that is, the scummiest thing I've ever heard. Well, as as, and you know, you and I have talked about this because we think he's going to go down, kind of like Captain Stacy in the Spider-Man comic books, in a way. And when he did that, that was almost immediate confirmation for me that this guy is a dead man. Yeah, this was this was like the first indication of like Quentin Lance really is on that tightrope now of is he going to die, is he going to live, and I don't think, I, I give him until the end of the season, and then he's going to die. Maybe maybe first half of next season. Yeah, maybe first half of next season. But what about the evolution of Mr. Merlin, Tommy Merlin, sir? Tommy has changed very much from that big billionaire playboy guy. It's a, it's a very much Tony Stark sort of change. And and really, I think it's because his relationship with Dinah, his friendship with with Oliver. I know that this is not the section for this, but I'm kind of I'm very happy to find out what part of that building is the club and what part of that building is the cave. Yes, that helps a lot. And finally, that nightclub is finally getting on its way. I mean, now it has to go through more construction, obviously, but but it's actually getting somewhere. And I love the entrance to that cave because if you looked at it, of course, you wouldn't think that there was a door there. Kind of like no. the bookshelf in Bruce's library. You wouldn't think that that would lead, that clock would lead anywhere. It's a clock. Why would I think that's a door? That's a wall. It's a wall, and that's an inanimate object. It doesn't move. And I and I love and I love the lock for the the arrow cave because you have to you have to connect that thing exactly right to open that door. Exactly. And how many people are really going to do that? Yeah. Because Besides well, 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 what, well, what are you going to think? Like anybody who's seen like an infrastructure or, or like a like a light fixture like that. They're not going to think, well, if I hit this button, this button, this button, and then open the latch, the door's going to open. Although, I will be honest, if I were a technician guy like that, at every control panel, I would just be hitting random buttons to see if it led somewhere. <laughs> well, and I love this thing about it, and then we'll move back to Tommy. It, the entrance to the cave is somewhere secluded where no, not any, not anybody's, like, the average person is not going to stumble onto that spot. But when Oliver does finally get his office in the nightclub, once that nightclub is done, his chair better open up to a big tunnel so he can slide down into that cave. You know what I was thinking towards the end of the episode? Why are there, why are there no arrow poles? Why exactly. Is there no arrow pole? 
One labeled Oliver, one labeled Diggle. Yes. Or, or, like, no, here, here, here it is. Um, a, a picture, a picture of, a, a pic, like, the, like, the most, like, like, generic family picture. You turn it this way and it opens up into the poles. Oh my gosh. That'd be great. Yeah, and I love, and I, going back to Tommy and Oliver, I love that T- Tommy is really embracing his role as the manager to Oliver's owner role of the club. He, know, he knows what he's he Yes, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and he knows, he knows the first rule of managing. Threaten to fire, threaten to fire people if they're not doing it the, the way you think it, it should be done. Which is what he should do, because he's the manager. Absolutely. And one of my favorite lines in the entire in the entire episode: "What happened to my friend Tommy Merlin, the one guy that rented out an entire football stadium just so he could play strip kickball with a bunch of models?" Oh my gosh! Yes. <laughs> and yeah. By the, way, ladies and, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I need to do that. I need to do that, you know, as soon as possible. Yes. We need to figure that out, Lou. Yes. Rent, rent out White Sox Stadium for me, and then we'll figure out how to do that. Done. <laughs> no. Yes. But uh, back at the Queen, uh, at the Queen Estate, um, the CEO of Queen Consolidated is talking to Moira that. And that running the company, people can run the company, but they do need a figurehead since Walter's missing, and they want they want Moira to take Walter's place for the time being to to if nothing else soothe the stockholders' nerves and reassure them that there's nothing wrong with the company. Just like just like you know, Apple did when Steve Jobs was going through his health issues. They need somebody they needed somebody else to like fill that role. But when I saw who the COO of Queen Consolidated actually was, I was thinking this, Oh my lord, Moy was about to make a deal with Lord Darkseid. Gordon Godfrey. You yeah. can't miss that well, guy. Face. Are you kidding me? Yes. Dark side will be coming to Arrow. No kidding. <laughs> yes. In a big cloud. Yes. So every rainy cloud you see on Arrow, just remember that's Dark Side and he's watching you. You need to re- you need to reconsider my offer, Mister Mrs. Queen. I can bring your husband back. Yes. <laughs> all I need is all, all I need is your heart. The, act, so... the, the actor playing the CEO is played Gloria Godfrey in the tenth season of Smallville. If you didn't get that reference, and and Moira, this is the first instance that we see of Moira's problems. And I and I and I guess and I guess we could and well well. And I get, and I, and I see. Here's a, I need to, I, I need to reword this. It's been a long time since we've done this, guys. Sorry that I'm a little out of it tonight, but. It's okay. Is, is more, is more 
just acting like this because she's trying to hide the fact that she knows where where Walter really is, or is is she really feeling this and just wants everybody to back off? What do you think? I think she just wants to be left alone because she realizes what happened and that it was her fault and that she loves Walter and yes. can't stand for him to be gone once again after he left before earlier this and season. And truth be told, Moira is responsible for the, for the disappearance and maybe subsequent deaths of both of her husbands. And ultimately... She doesn't know what's going to happen to him at this point. So she really is as in the dark as Thea and Oliver because she doesn't know when he'll come back or if he'll come back. If and Malcolm returns. And truth be told, I was actually very surprised that they actually labeled um, Walter as missing rather than um, Moira just trying to cover Malcolm Merlin's tracks on that. Yeah, see, I was... I wasn't surprised. I figured that's what they would do, but I could I could absolutely see what you're saying. That would yes. that would have worked very well as well. Yeah. And I, I I need to mention this before I forget. Um, the the DP, the cinematographer. What's his name? You know his name? I do not. I do not. Did did the did um the directing for um Absolute Justice Society and Legends? Oh, Glenn Winter. Yes, Glenn Winter. Yeah, Glenn it. Winter. Glenn Winter. I have to applaud you, sir, because you did wonderful lighting in this episode. A lot of good autumn, like autumn browns and orange colors with the lighting, especially with this next scene that we're going to, Oliver and Dinah at the fire station. How beautiful does um, Katie Cassidy look? And I'm not even being my normal way. She looks beautiful. They lit her very well in this scene. That scene is the most lit up scene in the entire episode. Cause a lot, you know what I mean? It looks, like a, it looks like a, a Norman Rockwell painting. So yeah. with the firehouse in the background. <laughs> yeah, kinda. Yeah. And I love Katie Cassidy trying to be Katie Cassidy trying to be all bohemian with her little hat and everything. Very gossip girlish. Yeah. No, I I really That's like That's for you, Andy. That's for you. There you go, Andy, your one reference. Now get us our, our drinks, please. Yes. And I wanted, I want crushed ice, not cubed. Once again, you still can't get that. I know. Yeah, this, yes, but with this scene with Dinah and Oliver, I love how uncomfortable she still is around Oliver. And I understand it, but at this point, it's been like four or five months. Which proves and my point that she's more in love with him uh, than he is in love with her. Yeah, and I get the whole love aspect and being uncomfortable around the person because you love them. That's one thing. But here they're just having a casual conversation and she's acting really odd until she starts opening up about Tommy, which I thought was actually really cool that she did that. I didn't expect and, that to happen, and I was glad it did. Yeah, and going back to your point about the defensiveness, it, not only does 
she loved him more than he, he seems to love her. But here's the thing with that. I think that's one of her main problems about Oliver in general, that she never got to say to him at all, which probably burns her more than anything about than anything else, more about the, than about the Sarah and um, Oliver relationship. She ne she never got to tell him how much he meant he he means to her, and for her finding out that a you're sleeping with my sister, oh you died and so did my sister, oh you didn't die, now you're back, and now that you're back, you're okay with me dating somebody else, and I and I'm having such a hard time with it, but you're having such an easy time with it. That's probably why she's so defensive. Like, this doesn't yeah, bother I, Oliver at all, and and Dinah is nothing but all. Dinah is nothing but bothered, and that pisses her off. Yeah. Well, but the thing is, Oliver has to move on for his own sake, and he chose to do so. She didn't. Yes, because again, Oliver has a mission, and Dinah really doesn't have one. Yeah, and ultimately, he doesn't want to hurt his best friend either, and he doesn't want to think make anything more awkward than it already is between him and Laurel. And quite so honestly, letting it go. And, and we and we mentioned this in a in the pilot pilot episode. He has no, he has no right to feel upset after all he did before before he got lost in, lost on the island. No, not at this point. No, not at all. Yeah. Now, will will he earn back her trust and ultimately her love and all that? Most likely. But it's yeah. going to take time. Oh, come on. It's Stephen Amell. Look at him. He's ugly, right, ladies? He's ugly, right? <laughs> He's uglier than Jeremy Renner. Yes. Um, here's the, here's oh. the thing. And I, don't want, I don't want this to be Wu's relationship section, but I will, I will say this, well, and I know I it's going to... I know it's going to make a lot of people upset, uh, but this is just my view on true love. When love true love is what brings I'm, us together today. Yeah, I'm just letting him do that so I can get to my point, ladies and gentlemen. Princess Bride, really? Come on. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. I, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to spoil that because I love the Princess Bride. Here's my opinion about true love and falling in love with the one person you're supposed to be with. And this is kind of my view on Dinah and Oliver. They were never friends before they got in a relationship. Well, that's not completely true because they talk about the three of them being friends for a long time until they dated. Okay, you can you can be friendly. But there, you've heard of the friendship zone, right, man? Of course. A lot of people fall into that male and female, and here's how you don't get into a that zone. When you're you're attracted to this person from the moment you meet said person, you're not gonna be in that friend zone. And if it's mutual, you're definitely not gonna be in that friend zone. That's the that's the thing with these like famous couples in, in at least DC lore. They love each other the moment they meet each other. They just don't know it yet. They may not know it yet, but Selena and Bruce, 
Dinah and Oliver. That's the that's why you know she's having such a hard time with this, you know, this Tommy thing is they are taking things slow. They they are they are friends in in. And in Dinah's mind, and she hasn't mentioned this to Tommy, even though I think it's in her heart, Tommy is in the friendship zone. She was just grieving, and he just happened to be be where he was. I'm sorry to be that crude, but it's kind of, it does look like that kind of situation to me. See, that, that makes the women sound more like the bad guys here. But I'm trying oh, to be like... fair. I'm trying to be fair. But the point is... And I have been in love, been in love a time or two, and actually one of those times it was actually mutual. This woman and I, we were never friends before we got into a relationship. We hated each other, which is the indication that you know we love each other. Well, I would ask what happened, but let's not get into that. But but you see, but this is why Tommy and you know Dinah are having trouble with this whole drawer thing that they mentioned earlier on in the episode because you know when you're when you really fall head over heels you never take it slow and especially if it's mutual exactly i'm sorry people people want to say i i take the i'm and that really makes me mad and this is my own personal thing It, it does have to do with this episode though when people say take things slow, that's just another thing of that's just another th- way of saying I'm not feeling this. Or I don't want to hurt you, so I'll put it off till later. Which is Di- which is Dinah's point of when I I, I which is Dinah's point that she relates to Oliver. I don't take things slow. I just close my eyes and just dive right in. That's what happens when you're really in love. And for those of you that don't like this. Think of the times that you really loved somebody and they loved you back. Did you ever say, you know, oh, we're taking things slow? No, you're th- you're thinking and you're feeling. I'm in love with this person, and I don't, I can't see my life without this person. That's what real love is. And the people who ha- who disagree, I'm sorry, but you haven't felt that yet. I'm done. Moving on. Nope. Hey, I understand. Believe yeah. me, I do. I've been there yeah. as well. Yeah. And unfortunately, um, it's over, but whatever. But, um, again, but, but again, you, I'm sorry if I ranted there, but that's how I really feel. And, you know, if you disagree with me, you know what my Twitter is. You know what the email is. You can write in. Yeah. And, and we'll tell it, and we'll talk to you. And we'll tell it to, to you at the end of the episode. So if you you want a fair rebuttal, please write us back. Absolutely. Well, there's also it's kind of funny because I kind of made a whole love rant on DC Nation as well with a few of the characters. So, but yours definitely takes the cake for sure. Because you did it right. I, what, what can I say? I have a poet's heart too. But here's you one of those. Yeah. Here's one of those scenes, this next thing with Speedy and Moira, I have to say, totally caught me off guard, and I was very happy that it did, quite honestly. I'm very happy that it did, because here's the thing with Speedy. 
like I said, she is like the unspoken conscience of the series, ironically enough. And the fact of the matter and the fact of the matter is, when she's the one that tells you you need to get get your stuff together and get your life together, that's you really you know it's bad when somebody like that is telling you you need to get your life together. That's like that's like an alcoholic saying you that's like an alcoholic telling you you need to get your life together. That's a, that's what that is right there. It's kind of bad, but it's kind of true. Yeah, and and really like again, in I I kind of have gone through what Speedy's gone through when you know when traumatic things happen to to your parents and no one's there to supervise kids. That pretty much makes them makes the kids basket cases because there's no one to parent. And the and the idea that you know Moira's like moping around when she knows everything that's gone on with Walter, she has n- no reason to mope around and look at photos, which we do see in that scene with Speed. Yeah, because well, it is her fault and it isn't her fault because she did, was going to tell him, and then Malcolm was like, "Nope, sorry, he's mine." So I get where she's coming from, and at the same time, I get where you're coming from. But her. she has no right to, like, play the sad victim to to her family. Oh, no, she has no right to lie to him about where he is. That's absolutely, yeah. from that perspective, yeah. no, she's absolutely wrong, and she really needs to come to terms with that and, you know, tell people the truth. But you could argue the same case for Oliver, too. Yes, but but again, Oliver uh, Oliver's not... Not been responsible for someone being kidnapped and being like no, I don't. Just missing. saying the truth aspect. Yeah, and and like the one thing I will always respect about the about Speedy is as whiny as she can be, as bossy as she can be. Like and this and Dan and Andy will Dan Andy and Nico will love this reference. You won't get a Michael because you don't watch the show. But she really is kind of like the Don Summers of this, of this series, where you know she might not, Speedy might not know what's going on, but but when she but when she has something to say, she gets her point across in very very few words. And effectively. Yeah, and and when and when she says, you know. Maybe you should start acting like my mother, and then I'll start respecting you. I was like, I wanted to slow clap that because that was just say, a well performed. Oh, yes, that was a well performed scene by both of them, actually. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, do we want to talk about Firefly quick? Yes, Serenity. No, I'm just kidding. Um. You can't take the sky from me. No, first yes. of all, I really liked how he beat Oliver first. Yes. I, I did. That was really good I, and consistent. Okay, with before, you, before you go on, I have to say this one thing. I have to say this one thing. How the, how in the hell did Oliver get into the burn? I get the fact that Firefly has all this, you know, this, like, fire fireman's gear on that protects him from the heat and the flames. How can Oliver just get in there and touch things that are near fire and not get burned. I'm sorry. I don't know. He probably, well, probably has some laced gloves and reinforced. I don't know. He's Batman. 
except he's yeah. not Batman. Yeah, but, but Firefly needs, like, a mask with oxygen and all that stuff, and... Mm. Did you get a flashback to Batman 1989 when the firefighter was over, like, over the railing and Firefly yes. had him by one hand? Yes, and I was really mad because in that time that Oliver was doing that parkour or whatever he was doing on the ceiling, he could have saved that guy from dying. Yes. <laughs> well, that's, and this really sells that he is broken mentally. That's why Firefly was able to beat him. Not that right. Firefly is, you know, a better fighter. No, he, of course not. Oliver, Oliver's just broken. This is why when he throws that, like, Firefly throws the firebomb to get away. That's why Oliver looks really down towards the end. And I like, and I like the fact that Oliver didn't go into, uh, didn't fight in this episode a lot. Yeah, you know because I mean? because he didn't need to. Fighting wasn't the answer. He needed to be ready mentally. Yes. And the fact that he was able towards... And we didn't mention this in the Tommy and Oliver scene. For for char, for charity, Ollie and Tommy set a, up a fundraising gala for firefighters. Which... The backstory with Firefly is there was a bad fire in a in a poorly built building. And eight firefighters went in to save to save the um, occupants of the building. This one guy, Garfield, thought that they could save the building, but one of his fellow firefighters, the fireman chief that told Joanna that her brother died, he he got scared. He pulled all of his men out. Garfield wanted to stay. Garfield got burned and and put in a coma. And for the last several years, he's tried to get back at the firefighters that that left him left him essentially to die and made him look like Jonah Hex. Jonah Hex, Two Face, yeah. Yes. Well, he was more Two Face than Jonah Hex than he was Firefly. But yes. hey, yes. you know it, and it let's, worked. Let's, for me. And, and, and let's get this out of the way. Hold on, Rachel, Rachel, no, Rachel, Rachel, ow. Oh my gosh, what was that? <laughs> Rachel! Let's get the... Uh, I needed to get that out of the way. Rachel! Oh my god! Rachel! No! Rachel! The, the difference was, though, in this, Garfield didn't save himself like Har Harvey did. He yeah. walked right into the fire and burned himself alive at the end. Yeah. Which is and kind of a cop-out, because he would be cool to have back as a villain, but I understand why it had to be that way. Kind of like King and the Royal Flush Gang and Legacies. Because this but episode also, and Legacies really were very similar in some aspects. Yes, and, but also to your, but to the contrary, to the contrary of your point, I, this goes back to the old school, the old school of this episode. That's how a comic book would end in the Silver Age. The, this one-off villain that did this horrible thing would would kill himself. Because it's right. kind of like Helen, like, he doesn't see an out. He doesn't see a normal life after he gets his vengeance. Right. Like, he's going to, he, I mean, he even says when he woke up from his coma and saw himself in the mirror, a la Two-Face, you know, he didn't see anything other than the payback that he owed to the firefighters that let him die. Yeah. 
Now, honestly, am I the only one who wonders what all these villains do on their off time? Like, where do they go to have lunch? Where do they go to sleep? What do they do when they're not, you know, doing some... Well, especially <laughs> this guy, because how does he get around with no one noticing what he's exactly. wearing? Exactly. Exactly. I don't know. I want to know what they all do on their off time. <laughs> yeah, I know. But probably what... Going back to Oliver, I love how Oliver... Um, the only thing he really does... Because really... Even when he gets his, like, you know, courage back, he, I'm glad he didn't go, like, all martial, martial arts fighting and, like, punching somebody. I think that would have been over, overdone. I like that he only needed to do this one thing. The cool thing of, you know, like, shooting the arrow to the lighter, which I love the callback to the pilot of the episode when he's training again. He can barely train. And he can't hit the tennis ball. I love that he couldn't do that. And I love this thing with the lighter. Yes, that was awesome. And the lighter is even smaller, which is cool. Yeah. Um, you did, I'm going to call my partner out. And because we have a little bit of extra time, you didn't put the flashbacks in the script. Do you want to talk I know, about which that? is what I was going to go into next. So don't even worry about it. Okay. See how in sync we are? Not just in Timberlake in sync, just in sync. Yeah. Yeah, I went For the, there. Yeah. No, no, Wu and I think very much alike. Yes. We are like iPod to iTunes. What can I say? <laughs> so cool and connected. <laughs> that's, like, that's like some girl's commercial for some girl toy product or something that yes. has always Carly stuck Ray, with me ever since I first Car- saw it, but whatever. Carly Rae Jepsen's going to do a remix of that song. She's weird. Oh my gosh! I can't even. Oh, oh wait, hold hold on. Yeah. We need to we need to talk. I I need to mention this really quick before you go into the flashbacks. Have you noticed that Katie Cassidy always gets these grand entrances when she goes to parties? Yes. Like like the the like the Britney Spears like slow walking intro into the ah. Oh, the big reveal of this sexy woman walking down. Not that, not that I mind it. It's a good, it's a good effect to do. But this is like the third episode where they had a party where she gets like the grand entrance where like no one gets in her way. I think she, I think that's put in her contract somewhere that she needs like a a BA entrance every time she's at a party. Wait till she becomes Black Canary and gets in that leather. It's going to be she awesome. Well then, well, then she doesn't need an entrance. If anybody's in the way, she'll just scream. <laughs> yeah, but they probably won't give her powers, which kind of sucks. But um, one more thing before we go into the flashbacks. Did you notice that Tommy and uh, and Laurel were never saved? Yeah. How did they? I'm assuming what? that... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, was that cut? Was that an editing error? Or what? Ha- I don't know well, what happened. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm assuming that, you know, after the scaffolding fell down, the thing behind them, they found a way out after the thing behind them because that wasn't totally on fire. I don't, I don't, I think what really happened was the scaffolding ended up falling on Tommy. And then Alfred came and said, what are all those bloody push-ups for? And lifted it up off of them and they walked out. No, Diggle said that. Diggle said that, actually. Actually, yes, you're right. Diggle said that. My mistake. Yes. Um, 
Yeah, I was thinking, well, to your point too, and we're gonna go into a big discussion about this, do they not, do they not wonder how Oliver got out of the building? Well, I'm sure Oliver could fake that easily, that's fine, but I'm more concerned about Tommy and Laurel, how they got out. Yeah, and it's gonna, it's gonna be like a running, it's gonna be like a running gag now with that club, every, every, every time that they try to, like, like, build it up, somebody's gonna knock it down. It's gonna be like a Monty, it's gonna be a Monty Python kind of thing. And Oliver must have that paint mask in a science because he got he got in suit real quick. Yes, but there still needed to be bat poles. I know. I'm really disappointed. Yeah, and here, here's the and you didn't put this in the script, so we'll we'll talk about this now. How awesome was that news reporter on the TV? Very. I was happy about that. Very again, very old school. Where is this vigilante? Yeah, very very old school. Back to like you mentioned earlier, Batman eighty nine even. But but to that scene, I have to really think. Moira's becoming CEO for three reasons: a to make sure that her family doesn't get wind of what she's done; two to take control of the take control of the company so her, her Queen Consolidated doesn't take a nosedive. And three, to gain gain some more power so she can fight Malcolm Merlin with something. And also I have to add probably to make Thea more proud. Not just to protect her family, but to make Thea proud of her and make her, and become Thea's mother again in a sense. But, but I'm wondering, is, does Thea buy any of this? Look at the look on Thea's face after she leaves. It'll be interesting to see how long it how long it takes. But do you want to get into the flashbacks? Well, I'll say let me say let me say this before we get into the flashbacks. Thea right. isn't Thea is not dumb. Look at the look on her face when she she realizes how quickly it was from her mother scrapbooking to CEO in about seven hours. Yeah. From um, her mother, like pretty much singing all by myself. I'm all out of love. Yes, yes. I mean, it really is a quick turnaround, and I'm happy Thea knows it. And I, and I'm sorry we're being we're jumping around all over all over tonight, guys. But one thing we do need to mention is. Joanna does go on sabbatical. She does need to take care of her family. Basically, she needs to do what the Lances really needed to do a long time ago. Don't you agree? Yeah. Basically, what happened was they decided that she wasn't a good enough character to keep on the show for now. Yeah, but I love her. I love her line to Dinah when she gives Dinah the her brother's badge. Give this to him. I don't care what anybody says. He is a guardian angel. I like that too. That was great. That, that was, was a great. That was a great line. Probably my favorite line of the entire the entire episode. But the flashbacks. Yes, in the flashbacks we see after Yalfei and Deathstroke have been fighting, Oliver escapes and is chased by one of Eddie Fire's officers, and Oliver 
kind of takes out the officer and finds a map at some point. And keys. I'm assuming it's a, yeah. And I'm assuming it's the map either to the island or a compound on the island. I think I think the bigger story here is though that this I think this is the first person that Oliver's actually killed. Yeah. He's not yeah, he's not he's he's not killed anybody at this point on the island yet. And I haven't killed I haven't killed anybody, but I've been told by soldiers, police officers. I would hope when you not. Do, when you do that, when I've been told, when that happens, your first kill that changes you. Which it should, obviously. And, I would hope you know, that would. Yeah, that. I mean, this is really that. These flashbacks are probably my favorite flashbacks in the entire series so far, just because you're seeing the beginnings of the Green Arrow. You're seeing the, you know, the beginning of the metamorphosis from Oliver Queen, you know, spoiled rich playboy to Oliver Queen, the Green Arrow. Yeah. Dun 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 dun. Na 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 na. But is oh, there anything? Yeah. Is there anything else, sir? Man, we are so out of practice with this. Sorry, I guys. know it's been a while, but no, I think that is everything. Uh, but we are gonna go to dance thoughts because unfortunately, Andy and Nico, you know, didn't really get their. Uh, their voice edits in on time. Well, to be fair to them, I didn't get my Supernatural or my How I Met Your Mother recordings on time either, so my boy's going to bust them for that, but hey, we've all been busy this week. Yeah, very much so, especially with the Fringe Live show, which actually either of them were involved in, so maybe, maybe I might have to give them crap about that. But ultimately... Dan was the only one who got his thoughts in even after the Fringe Live show, which was great. He did those for us today. And, yeah, so I guess I will play Dan's thoughts on this episode of Arrow now, and we will briefly um, go into Twitter's thoughts soon after. Hey, Michael and Wu. It's Dan here, and I'm back to give you my thoughts on the mid-season return of Arrow, which I felt used as story about Oliver understanding why he is needed as a vigilante to make us, as the audience, see why this show needs to be on television. Because it's darn good. In fact, this episode worked magnificently as a mid-season premiere since it highlighted Arrow's best qualities to reinvest current viewers to get new viewers into the show. There was great empowerment given to the strong female characters, the flashbacks to the island became even more intense. Oliver's morality issues regarding his family had a deep emotional impact, and we had a villain terrorizing the city by killing his victims in a terrifying manner. In addition, my favorite character dynamic on the show between Oliver and his partner Dig continued getting better, to the point that if you need someone to give a strong tep talk to get you out of bed on a rough morning, David Ramsey, the guy who plays Dig, is the guy you should call. Seriously, the guy could just read the phone book in a profound voice, and I would be inspired to jump off rooftops firing arrows. As for the villain Firefly, a.k.a. Garfield Lins, 
His interpretation here on Arrow as a disgraced firefighter was much more interesting than the comics. Having him set up as a special effects man who went broke, especially for television. Because on crime-fighting shows like this one, Person of Interest, or even Castle for that matter, they normally deal with corruption or conspiracy within the police department. But going the fireman route felt like something new for a change. But I was glad to see that they also maintained this sense of honor that exists between firefighters through Joanna's brother. And that leads to another thing that made this episode of Arrow a highly successful mid-season premiere. And that was the writers making the decision to move forward with plot lines that weren't working or stopped moving in the first half of the season. I know the character of Joanna was a big issue here on Longbow Hunters, and I was glad to see they gave her a purpose in this episode, developing things between Laurel and the Vigilante, but then wrote her off when realizing they couldn't do anything more with the character. Also, it was nice to see them move forward with building the nightclub over the Arrow Cave, because it gave Tommy something to do, other than freeloading off of Laurel, because it seems like he's at her apartment all the time. As for some quick quarrels about this episode, how did Laurel and Tommy get out of the nightclub when they were shown being trapped inside? Shouldn't there have been a scene where Oliver was shown saving them as a vigilante? At the same time, I hated how, just as they got me warmed up to Detective Lance, with the scene where he let Laurel keep the phone, they made me hate him again, as it was revealed he was using his own daughter to track the vigilante. As I said before, and we'll keep saying it until they fix it, Detective Lance needs to be a likable character if they want to evolve Laurel's character into Black Canary, or it's all going to be in vain, since Detective Lance's death is the catalyst that will make her into a vigilante. could probably be the season three turning point for the show. Although the grand scheme of things these are just minor issues, especially when it comes to this episode, because Arrow did the job it was supposed to do, of still running strong, and making me really psyched that it's back on the air, along with Michael and Wu here on Longbow Hunters. So let's pass things back to you guys with your thoughts on what I thought was a great mid-season premiere. All right, and we are back. Thank you very much, Dan, for... Uh your great insight and thoughts very much a lot like what we were saying as well. So I think we're all in the same iCloud. No, I'm just kidding. Exactly. No, I am glad to hear that we are all on the same page. That's a, that's a good sign, especially with this series, especially on Joanna. But yeah, I think everyone is at this point. Um, so yeah, we are going to get into Twitter's thoughts and then we will get into the digital comic review. First off, Alex Lynch said that, and he actually saw it two hours before the uh, premiere actually began, and I don't know how, but he is an editor on comicbookmovie.com, so I'm assuming it had something to do with that. He said it was yeah, great. Yeah, connection. Yeah, connection. Yeah. He said it was great, though. He, he really enjoyed the episode. Thought it was a good uh, return. So that was good. Holly, a new a new face to our podcast, said... Hi, Amel, uh, Amel sells the Galifianakis. How do you pronounce that? I don't even know. Yeah. Galifianakis. I don't know. Joke. Also, love 
Thea's Walter impression. I think that's, like, everybody's favorite thing. And you know what? I'm really happy that the Internet community was not saying, well, why why wasn't there a continuation? Why was there no Malcolm Merlin? You know what? I, I'm happy that there wasn't there wasn't any continuation from what we saw in years end. Just to, I like seeing the aftermath of a big, a big event rather than continuing on that big event and then just stopping it the next episode. Yeah. Which, I, I know it sounds like I'm peeking on Smallville, but that was one of the, like, the three things I mentioned about Smallville this this episode were probably the things that really bugged me the most about that series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. Just in terms of structures. But going on, going on. Uh, Real TV chat, I guess it's a, uh, I guess it's a fan site said, love it, more Katie Cassidy is good for me. Which I, I'm sure Wu can attest to. Yeah. Well, again, like, the way they shot her in this episode, she really did look beautiful. Like, yeah. I'm not being my my Dean Winchester self this episode. I'm being very honest. Like, she looked very lovely. Yeah. Absolutely. And last one are probably... Probably even more than Alex Lynch, if I'm if I'm being honest. But our probably number one fan, Jay Z Koss, said in a very long tweet, "And we're back. Great episode of Arrow this week. I liked how they finally found some use for Joanna. And I know you're not that fond of her, but it was good that she was actually a part of something rather than just being the best friend in the background. But it looks like she's going to be gone for a while, so that's done with for now, I guess." I'm not too familiar with Firefly. I do know he's a Batman villain, but the episode he came, he just came off of like a regular bad guy. Nothing really special, and he was taken care of pretty quickly. But whatever, he was all right. Like always, I can't wait for next week, and hashtag, you have failed this podcast. Yeah, I can't believe that, that's actually become one of our memes, like, become one of our things now. <laughs> I, I, said I it just yet. thought it was a funny thing to say. I just thought it was a funny thing to say. I can't believe we haven't said it yet this episode, Wu. Yeah. One, I had to, one of the things we forgot, because honestly, there was a lot in this episode, more than people think. One of the things that we forgot, I love the Dinah and Tommy drawer thing. Didn't you? I liked it. I don't know if I loved it. I, I don't know. It seems very much like something that had taken place on the other show I really enjoy, Chuck. So it wasn't really anything new to me. It was kind of redundant for me, at least. But I love Colin Donald's kind of subtle thing that he was doing. Did you you notice what he was doing? Like, every time he tried to get close to Dinah, she would always be pulling away to somebody else. Yeah. Did you notice that? I like... That's one of those subtle things that really they didn't do enough with Michael Rosenbaum on Smallville. I really like how Colin Donald's playing these subtle, again, the slow metamorphosis into who he will eventually become. Assuming Malcolm isn't already that person, which I'm assuming is the case, seeing as how the producers have hinted to Tommy's dark destiny. But yeah. Absolutely. So, Wu, how, how would we rate Burned? I, I would I really say four like out of five. I would say yeah. four out of five. 
I would agree with you. I, it, to me, it was on the level, well, maybe a little less than Legacies, because to me, it felt like what I'm going to eventually call a classic Arrow episode. Doesn't necessarily have to do with the overall plot, yet it ties in really well with what's going on at the time and still stays true to a normal comic book story. Once again, like How I Met Your Mother, like Supernatural, and Arrow came back not with a big, you know, welcome back opening shot, opening shot punch. It brought us back, reminding us why we love the series, why we why we can will continue to watch the series, and really really started a lot of story arcs that will probably lead us to the to the season finale, which we mentioned already. Would yep. you agree? I would agree. Yeah. All right. So I guess now we're going to move on to our digital comic book chapter review for Arrow this week. Chapter 15 entitled 615 to Starling City. And I, really, there isn't much to say about this chapter, so I'll just give a brief description and we'll go into it from there. So in this digital chapter, Oliver takes down some muggers on a train showing the people of Starling City that Oliver a.k.a. The Hood, is actually a hero, not just a vigilante. And really, that's all you can really say for this chapter, because that's a, the best summary I can get. Yeah, I mean, really, it was really cut and dry. Ironically enough, the issue... I know we mentioned this issue a little bit before. The, the Last week's issue had a lot more guts to it than this one did. Not to say that this one was bad, but this this one was very this cut and dry. It's a comic book. Yeah, which which, which the which the last episode or the last issue, I really wish they would do flashbacks on the show. Yeah, but like you said, a bullet train that goes to from Sterling City to Coast City, some uh, some crooks hijack it. I did. Here's what I didn't like about this issue: Why did they have to get the criminals' backstory? Yeah, I don't know. I would have much rather it had been like a royal flush gang type of group, or just or they get no backstory. They just want money. That's all yeah. they want. Yeah, or that. Yeah, because you know what? It's not these books are these books are not long. They're not they are not kingdom come in terms of length. Right. So, so what was the one? So why exactly? Why why give them all of this thing? But Co City, did you is Co is Co City the the main city for the Flash? No, uh, the main city for the Flash is Central City. Co City is the main city for Hal Jordan Green Lantern. Okay, then they then they should have called it Central City because they made a they made a, a point to say Flash, and I don't know, and I. And I don't understand why why you would give it to Green Lantern City over the Flash City if you made it such a big deal, made it a big deal about Flash in capital letters. But that's just me. Maybe they just got it wrong. I don't know. It happens. Man, Andrew Kreisberg. I mean, come on. Kidding, kidding. Was he the one who wrote this chapter? I think so. And Mark Guggenheim. Hey, I, I don't know. Guess it happens. Yeah, come on, guys. Come on. It was very Come good, on. very um, very comic bookish, which ultimately is what Arrow is. It's a comic yeah. book to life on screen. So it was very cool mm. to see the show. And to be clear, I was kidding. I was kidding. 
to be clear. We know. Well, I know. I don't know if everyone else knows, but we don't need to, them to know. It's okay. Andy, I need a milkshake. Yeah, actually, I want one, too. Yes. We both want milkshakes. Yes, Would we do. you give me lip? Oh, my gosh. Just, <laughs> just give me a milkshake with some Oreos, and then I'm good. Yeah. Actually, that sounds good. You could be one with Oreos, too. Doesn't that sound good? Yes. I'm telling you. And fat, and fat Burger. You need to go to Fat Burger. But, guys, just to let you know, and I'll probably talk about this for the next few weeks, next week, or next week, next month, the uh, issue 17 of Green Arrow comes out with a new team and a theme to the book that will be much closer to the Arrow comic or the Arrow TV series, excuse me. So those of you who watch Arrow who want to get into Green Arrow comics, issue 17 is your jumping point. So you have because one month until that comes out. Because you said the the Green Arrow that is in the new 52 right now is more reminiscent of the Green Arrow that was on Smallville. Yeah, and it, it's done very poorly, I think. It's not. Oh, it's, really? it's more remi- It's more reminiscent of Smallville's Green Arrow in terms of comedy, but in terms of depth of the character, it's not very deep. So you would say visually five out of five, but story or story wise three out of five. Eh, probably two point five out of five. But visually, it is really cool. Yeah, visually it looks great, but story wise, I just I don't know. Yeah, which is why I'm glad Jeff Lemire is taking over with his artist, because they are known to do darker things, and it looks like they're going to be taking a lot more from Arrow than from Smallville, which makes sense for the Green Arrow book. And anybody that has problems with that, guess what? They've done that ever since the George Reeves Superman series for superheroes. Absolutely, and not only that, if you really want Smallville's Green Arrow, go read Smallville Season 11. I love that whole Arrowjet thing. I thought that was hilarious. That was hilarious. Yeah, actually, all Green Arrow fans in general should go read Smallville Season 11 as well. It's mainly about Superman, but Green Arrow is a supporting character in the book, so it's really cool. Yeah, but, uh, so we, but we have some information to give to our to our listeners. Please, please, please. Join either one of these two forums, the Across the Airwaves forums, and what is that URL, sir? Acrosstheairwaves.com slash forums. And signing up is really simple. We have many forums covering our many shows that we cover, Supernatural, Chuck, Fringe, I'm forgetting so many others, Glee, Arrow. And or if you don't want to join our forums, please join the uh, the other forums from the god the god of Krypton Site, no more the Jorel of Krypton Site, Craig Byrne at K Site TV. That's K Site TV K S I T E dot com slash forums. And signing up for that form is really easy too. If you do sign up for that one, please inform. Please let let the other four members know that across the airways, Longbow Hunter sent you there. My Twitter is at WSK9002. Your Twitter, sir? At MJPetty7. That is at MJPetty7. You can also follow the uh, 
Longbow Hunters Twitter here at Arrow Podcast. That is at Arrow Podcast. Or the Across Airways Twitter at Across Airwaves. No, just at Across Airwaves. Uh, Woo, I believe we also have a Facebook and Google Plus. We do. I post things there very regularly as does Nico Reifstick. What is our email, sir? Our email is across the airways at gmail.com. That is across the airways at gmail.com. If you're going to email us here at Longbow Hunter, specify that you're emailing for Michael and Wu, the Arrow podcast, or just Longbow Hunters in general. And we will read your email on air and discuss your crackpot theories, thoughts on the episode, or if you have a rebuttal to Wu's rant, you can also email us there. And if you want us to follow you, please mention across the arrows in your your follow your follow request on Twitter. And if you want to, and if you want to verbally respond to my little soapbox moment, to many of my soapbox moments in this episode, what is our <laughs> voicemail number? What our, is voice- our voicemail number, sir. Yeah, I know. They're gonna need that voicemail number to respond to all your crackpot, you know. So boxes. Uh, the ladies love me. <laughs> you deluded maniac. No. Our voicemail is 1773-809-3363. That is 1773-809-3363. Wu and I are no strangers to this as we, well, Wu mainly sends voicemails to the APA podcast regularly. And I will be doing that from now on with Supernatural because it's just easier at this point, and at least until Walking Dead starts up, and then it I can log reviews again. Quite honestly, and the reason why neither of us have really written a lot, we are writing a lot in our in our non-podcast books, and quite honestly, I, I never thought I would say this. I'm sick of writing. I'm sick of writing at this moment. I just want a break. Yeah, exactly. Yes. But, but before we uh, close off, I do want to give a special thanks to Christopher Wytrick for designing our Longbow Hunters logo. I'm going to be mentioning Great logo. Great logo. Yeah. And ultimately, it is from a t-shirt that DC Comics did a while ago for Green Arrow that can be regularly seen worn by Sheldon Cooper on the Big Bang Theory. But I did ask him to uh, refurbish the design and make it cleaner and thinner and pop out a little more, and he did exactly that within three hours of me asking him to. So special thanks to Christopher. A three-hour request. A three-hour request. Yeah, a three-hour request. I, I don't even know if he listens to our show or not, but it's it's awesome that he did this for us. So thank you again, Christopher. Um, So, I, I, I mean, that pretty much wraps, wraps up this episode, Woo. I mean, I thought for first episode back, we did pretty well, right? Yeah, yeah. And on, on honestly, it's I want to apologize for both my, my partner and for myself. We are just real. We are just really, really tired. Yeah, we're we're starting our recording sessions a little earlier from now on, so we get a little more sleep on the weekends. Yes. Yes. So, absolutely. Um, really, we've done and, at midnight, but now it's eleven o'clock. So it's and it's, on, and, on, and honestly, I mean, I've been so busy this week that I I haven't talked to Michael practically all this week at all. Because I mean, like that's like, how that's how busy we are. I have not talked to him at all, all about Arrow, about Supernatural, about anything. And so it, if we seem a little off tonight, 
we apologize. We haven't been recording for like a month, but we'll be back next week with what episode, sir? Uh, the episode we will be back next week for is entitled Stupid Internet Browser. No, that's not actually the title. Yes. <laughs> but that would be an awesome title. Oh, come on. That's the Riddler episode. The, the episode is Trust But Verify. So that is episode 11 of season one. We can't wait to talk about that. But we will talk about that a little bit in our spoilers after uh, we close off. So signing off. For this episode, unless you see us in the spoilers, for our favorites across the airwaves core members, Dan Schmidt, Nico Rivesteck, and Andy Babacht. Are they our favorites? Are they our favorites, sir? Well, I guess they're the only ones, so they have to be our favorites. By the way, if you're missing Andy or Nico's thoughts on this week's episode, you can check out the next episode of Across the Airwaves podcast for Nico and Dan's thoughts. And you can go to our website, crossareas.com, and look for Andy's review on this latest Arrow episode, which is in very much, in in a lot of detail, and he plugs us, and yeah, so it's awesome. Also, also check out Green Arrow TV for a great roundtable discussion with Craig Byrne, Andy Babak, and a a couple of the other Green Arrow TV writers for their thoughts on where the season will go and the past few episodes from this first half of the season, which were very insightful, I think. Yes, absolutely. So I guess for those favorites across Sarah's core members, because they have to be our favorites because they're the only ones, again, Dan Schmidt, Nika Reistek, and Andy Babak. I'm your host, Michael J. Petty. And I am Wes Kiv. Speaking of Andy, where's my milkshake? Oh, my Lord. Until the next exciting episode of Arrow, Longbow Hunters, or unless we don't see the spoilers, we will catch you on the airways and see you next week. Thanks, guys, for joining us. Have a good one, and, yeah, can't wait for next week.
Tommy and Malcolm have a heart-to-heart talk, and Oliver and Diggle are at odds with each other. The next person on Arrow's list is Diggle's commanding officer and mentor from Afghanistan, Ted Gaynor. Special guest, Ben Browder. Oliver suspects Ted is responsible for recent armored truck robberies, but Diggle defends Ted and takes a job at Ted's security company to keep an eye on him. Oliver decides to make a move on Ted, which puts him at odds with Diggle's. Diggle. Meanwhile, Thea suspects Mora is having an affair with Malcolm. Tommy and Laurel have an awkward dinner with Malcolm. And Nick Copas directed the episode written by Gabriel Stanton. Okay, before we get into anything, I cannot wait to see that dinner scene with Tommy, Dinah, and Malcolm Merlin. I agree with you. How that, awkward is that going to be? That is going to be amazing. And, of course, Speedy would think that. Why wouldn't she think that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I would think that if I didn't know what was really going on. Yeah, he's always around. He's always, like, being very sneaky. Plus, he's really creepy. Yeah, he is a creepy guy. Yeah. Sorry, Andy, he is a creepy guy. Um, what do you think about this whole storyline? Because I'm kind of, like, skeptical about it. Well, the mentor guy, Ted Gaynor, is actually a member of the Blackhawk Squadron from the DC Comics universe. So it's a cool, it's a cool tie-in. However... I do like the storyline because I think it will be very interesting to see Diggle's um, moral compass that we talked about in this episode be, how do I want to say, challenged. And I want to see Oliver, um, I want want Oliver to be able to influence Diggle in the same way Diggle has been influencing Oliver. I want it to be a partnership more than a one-on-one thing. Because truth be told, Diggle at this point, John Diggle has always has been the guy with all the answers. And it's yeah. nice that in this episode, he's not the guy with all the answers. And it was very odd and weird to see, to hear John Diggle tell Green Arrow, put the bow down and point the gun directly to his face. That was very odd in the trailer, yes. But I look, very, I look forward to seeing that. Here's the thing about this guy that's playing the main villain. They casted a guy that looks like a good guy, but he still looks like he could be a slime ball. Yeah. Absolutely. But I love I love Oliver's line in the trailer. I, I can be wrong. The list, that's never wrong. And to this point, the list has not been wrong. And I don't think it ever will be, because ultimately this list has been compiled by some, I guess, the the greatest criminal syndicate that we've ever seen at this point. Well, I don't know. It might be bigger than even the League of Shadows from what it looks like. Nothing is bigger than the League of Shadows. The dark side. But they're not not doing that. Shadow? Do you want to mention Vertigo in here? No, because we'll talk about that next week. Honestly, okay. it's, I yeah, it, we just better wait till next week. But it's really interesting. Some of the uh, images for this episode, by the way, all this information we talk about with the spoilers, for those of you who are new, uh, comes from GreenArrowTV.com, written by our friend Craig Byrne, who will eventually be on the show uh, once we get a few more episodes in, most likely. Man, I'm so nervous for that. You have no idea. 
Well, we'll we'll get used to it. Don't worry. It'll it'll all be good. But one of the images to this episode, trust but verify, shows Malcolm Merlin in his little headquarters thing, kind of like uh, in the Spider-Man trilogy where Norman Osborn had that little uh, compartment in his mansion for his all his goblin gear. It looks like uh, Merlin has his own little place for all his dark archer gear because he has swords, he has like knives, he has all these weird gadgets all in this little area. That's like his own little version of the Arrow Cave. Yes. And by the way, we're calling that door the Arrow Door to the Arrow Cave. Yes. At the nightclub. Um, and and yet, and this is proven even further, Michael and I's point, that that is the Arrow Cave, because look at where that thing is in relation to the building. I'm not calling that thing the 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 arrow. The arrow. Hold on, I'm not calling that thing the arrow basement. That's true. It's deeper than that. I'm not calling that the arrow cellar. I'm calling that the arrow cave. But it does look like in this next episode that the flashback sequences are going to be more intense because it looks like Eddie fires his back. And it looks like, at least in the images, he takes down Oliver. I I have to think this whole Dinah, Malcolm, and Tommy dinner scene is Dinah's idea. Because I don't think Tommy would want to see his father. And, it, and Malcolm's made it obvious that he wants nothing to do with his son. Yeah. Good job on you. Good job on you, Dinah. Good job on you. <laughs> I don't know. This I, don't, guy, this I don't think we're going to see Quentin Lance at all, right? I don't think so, but I'm sure he'll be in there somehow because of this uh, Ted Gaynor guy. Yes, Ted Gaynor. He supplies Gatorade. Yes. No, Gaynor, not Gator. Yeah. Come on. I'm sorry. Doesn't that sound like a total jock name, too? So does the name Hunter Wilcox, but yeah, I went to school with one. <laughs> you went to school with one. <laughs> so we'll see you guys next week. We, we, I'm a little skeptical about this episode, but it does look like, and uh, again, another nice building block to what the rest of the season is going to be. Because I have to believe that if we're going to get episodes like this, the, the back half of the season is going to be very, very, yeah, I'm I'm very um very excited for this. I it does look very interesting, and like I said before, it looks like it'll really really um challenge Diggle and his morality and where he really stands, at least in this world, I guess. And so most likely, and most likely, we'll probably see Diggle's sister-in-law, the Big Belly Bird. Most likely, yes. So, yes. yeah, like I said, look forward to it. But, uh, yeah, we will see you guys next time. Thank you for joining us. Uh, come back for Episode 11, Trust But Verify. See you guys. Bye-bye.